There are lots of people that aren't getting sleep that goes through the whole night and whether they go to their doctor or other sources and it says, well, it's just something you have to live with, it really isn't. Sleep can be fixable. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Britt Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. In today's episode, my husband Dave and I sit down with a couple who has single-handedly improved our sleep and our marriage. Todd and Tara Youngblood are the creators of the sleep technology ChiliPad. Listen in as we talk about how you can get your best night's sleep. Hey guys, it's Britt, and today I am here with my husband and partner in just about everything, Mr. Dave Morin. And we are talking about a very important topic for the two of us, sleep. Oh boy. Are you oh boy. excited about this? Here we go. <laughs> We've had very uh, mixed adventures with sleep, haven't we? Dave? Can you tell everyone what your relationship with sleep has been like throughout your life? Well, my relationship with sleep has been uh, complicated, as they say. And I've never really had a great sleeping pattern. You know, when I was growing up and in college, I was always a late night, night, late owl. night owl, you know, just really never had a, a great relationship with sleep. Yeah. And a few years ago, I started this project, um, which has now turned into our foundation called Sunrise, where we are working on trying to find um, ways to reduce suffering from mental health problems and depression and the like. And in the process of working on that, it became very clear very quickly that the number one most important variable by a long shot is sleep. And so uh, it became something that I really started to focus on both for uh, our, you know, the project, but also for myself. And um, and that led me on a pretty uh, intense odyssey. Which I know. followed along with. <laughs> and for me, I think I've always been a pretty good sleeper. I like to think that I passed my genes down to our boys. You're an annoyingly through. good sleeper. Yeah, but, but I've had my moments. Yeah. And it was so fascinating following your journey because not only did you recognize you had sleep apnea and we we had some marital problems when it was like Snorville, USA in our house. Um, Indeed. But you realized you were sleeping at the wrong temperature. As I was digging around working on this problem, one of the people that I was collaborating with very early on on Sunrise was our friend Tim Ferriss. Mm -hmm. And Tim is always someone I turn to and I need answers to very obscure health questions. Don't we all? We were talking about uh, this problem, and it turned out Tim was actually really passionate about this problem as well. And at the time, he said to me, you know, the best invention I've ever come across, not just for sleep, but it might be the best invention I've ever discovered ever. Ever. <laughs> I remember is, this. Uh, is the chili pad. And so I bought one on the spot, and it was at our house when we got home from that trip and plugged it in and turned it on, and my life was changed forever. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, but all I'll say before we dive in is that my life was changed forever as well <laughs> because prior to this, Dave slept really warm and I sleep a little cold. And so 
anytime Dave would come to my side of the bed, it was like a f- effing sauna. Like <laughs> I couldn't handle it. It was sweaty. It was gross. So there was like not a lot of snuggling. I guess I should say that I used to, you know, one of the ways that I knew that I wasn't getting good sleep, even if I didn't have the Fitbit or, uh, you know, was literally measuring it was I would wake up sweating a lot in the middle of the night. Yeah, and uh, like the sheets were wet. It was frustrating because it didn't matter whether I was using a big heavy blanket or no blanket at all. It, it kept happening. And so it was like this very difficult problem. You know, what, what do you do if you, you use a different blanket and it doesn't work? And when I got the chili pad, I realized that I had been using, you know, medieval technology for <laughs> sleeping uh, when I could have been using modern technology that, right. you know, controls the temperature of my bed. Yeah. And on that note, let's welcome the creators of this temperature controlled bed, Todd and Tara Youngblood, the co-founders of the Chili Pad Sleep System, and the two people responsible for improving our marriage. Thank you, Todd and Tara, and welcome. The best invention that everybody should know about. Oh, that's that's great praise. Thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah, thrilled to be here, guys. Thanks for the invite. You guys are here to teach us how we can all sleep a little bit better. So let's get started by actually explaining for everyone listening what the Chili Pad is and how you guys came up with it. Yeah, so the Chili Pad basically works by heating and cooling water and circulating that water in thin silicone tubes that are in a mattress pad. So there's nothing electric in the bed at all. It's just simply a mattress pad with silicone tubes and water and a little device that sits next to your bed or under your bed that allows you to set the temperature. As you guys illustrated or mentioned, each side of the bed can be its own temperature, anywhere between 55 and 115 degrees. So it can warm you up if you're me, and it can cool you down if you're Dave. 66 for me. That's your, that's your number. <laughs> I love it. Um, and, and how did you guys get started making this? So we have been entrepreneurs together for 20 years now. So we've brought, over the years, over 100 different products to market. And as Dave sort of mentioned, when we came up with the Chili Pad, it seemed like a natural market evolution a lot of the mattress companies were starting to talk about adjustable pressure and pressure being something you can adjust. And around that same time, cars started coming out with these dual climate. You know, if you're in a car and one dr- the driver and the passenger can have different temperatures, well, then sure as heck, I wanted to have that in my bed because Todd sleeps hot like Dave and had all the same issues as Britt and that he was a hot, sweaty mess and not a lot of fun. So it seemed like a smart market evolution. And then we found out all that temperature can do for sleep, which was kind of an interesting bonus part of being able to control temperature for comfort. And is it true, Todd, that your uncle invented a little thing called the water mattress, a.k.a. the water bed? Yeah, pretty crazy story. So he was actually in San Francisco as part of his uh, thesis project for graduate school. So he started with a jello chair, and uh, I guess we're all grateful that the jello chair got tossed out of his window. Well, wait, 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 hold on. Go, yeah, what, what is chair? a jello chair, and how do I get one? Well, you know, this is like hippie times. You know, this is 50 years ago. So put yourself into like 1970, whatever, 1960, 65s, you know, and he's he's out basically trying to figure out what he wants to do in life. But yeah, it started with the jello chair. He was, uh, he was working on an industrial design project, trying to figure out a different way to, to support human bodies. And uh, yeah, thankfully he, he moved on from the jello chair, which I think actually was filled with jello. Uh, turns out moving a 400 pound chair around was not awesome. 
Uh, so he kind of bailed on that. I, I, as the legend is, I think it did somehow get thrown out the window, but uh, actually, literally, literally, it could have been figuratively, yeah. but yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he kept working on uh, on the waterbed. The the cur- kind of crazy part of that is it really wasn't even a viable product until he figured out how to heat it. Because if anyone's ever laid on a waterbed when the heater went out, it would literally suck all the heat out of you. So, uh, yeah, oh, interesting. He, I forgot as soon about as he that. Figured out how to heat it. Yeah, so my parents uh, definitely yeah, had a, one when I was a kid. Same. I mean, I, I like think we all did. Everyone did. that grew up in the '80s and '90s did that inform how you guys thought about creating the chili pad. I would say not directly. I think, but at the time, you know, we had, we were five years or so into starting our own business, and I think in the back of my mind, we knew that this one crazy idea he had created became a billion dollar a year business at its peak. So definitely in the back of our mind was sleep is a big business and it's a problem for a lot of people. So that that was always stirring around. Um, but there, I don't think there was a direct linear connection between his waterbed business and where we got into it. But it definitely was a sense that it's an opportunity to change the world if you can really impact sleep. So there was definitely part of the conversation. So you guys are not only running a company together, but you're actually husband and wife, hence the same last name. So- how is it working together and who does what as part of ChiliPad? We do have rules of engagement that we go by, and uh, we have this rule called the 51% rule. So in general, we're 50-50, but there's sort of this 51% card that either of us can pull at any time. So Todd stays in his lane and I stay in mine in a lot of ways, but then if it turns out to be a really important issue— uh, I'll say, no, this is a 51% thing for me. I, I need to have a little more vote in this one, and this is really important. And so that's our sort of framework for I need to, I need to be able to own this one. Um, we also have rules around sleep and working together because I am a morning person, and I like to go to bed early, and Todd is not. And so we used to have this um, separation. We have to create a separation between sleeping time and talking about work time. And for me, I need to shut down an hour before I go to bed. I can't have conversations. Otherwise, I toss and turn and think about it all night. And Todd's the exact opposite. If I think about something all night and I pounce on him the moment I wake up in the morning and I'm ready to go, he does not want to hear that I've solved some problem at, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Dave and I are laughing because a couple of reasons. One, we literally like stayed up last night talking about work things. She, she wants your rule. Um, second, and I was like, I'm so tired. I just, can we just go to bed? But second, I'm obsessed with this 51% thing. And I feel like we should not only adopt this in business, but in marriage life. Do you agree, Dave? As long as I, I, I always get- I need to get, understand the rule I more. think it's like, I always get 51% <laughs> and you get 49. Yeah, no. Right, but usually happening. it's 50-50. It's, it's pretty awesome. Like, there's thankfully, actually, it it draws a line in the fact that we're almost never equally passionate about an issue, but on opposite sides. It's almost always like, yeah, I I believe this, but I don't care really that much. So if you really care, yeah, okay, that's fine. Hmm. So it it does help divide up the things to really spend your time like being different on. And obviously, you can't use that 51% all the time. You have to use it sparingly or you you don't get the kudos to use it anymore. (laughs) 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, let's bring it back to sleep for a minute. <laughs> Great marriage counseling, though. Um, this is what happens when you get two couples I on know, a podcast. I'm, I mean, this could be its own episode. So here's a big thing that I don't think a lot of people understand, which is the differences between REM sleep, light sleep, and deep sleep. I think most people feel like REM sleep is the thing to track. That's totally what you want to be getting the most of. And how did that happen? How did REM get such a bigger brand? Yeah, this is false, right? Mm. Yeah, mostly it stems from the fact that REM was one of the first states of sleep that could be studied. It's pretty obvious when you're in REM sleep. It stands for rapid eye movement. So you can visibly see that when someone's in that state. And sleep science is relatively in its infancy. It's pretty new. And when they were trying to study it, it was easy for them to look at. So it really became the first state that we knew any information about. The difference between those states is really about the brain waves and what's going on in your brain at that time. And obviously, when you're asleep, we don't know that much about the brain anyway. It's evolving and we're learning more every day. But it's pretty confusing to try to figure out what's going on in sleep when it's in someone's brain and they're sleeping. So REM sleep was just it was just the easiest thing to study first. But the reality is deep sleep is the thing we should all care the most about. Is that right? Yeah, that's really been the source of a lot of the research over the last five years is into deep sleep. And it's really a sweet spot for our product because obviously, as I said, you're asleep. So how do you affect do the things that affect your sleep? Deep sleep has been uh, called the fountain of youth. A lot of what happens in deep sleep is all of those recovery methods of repairing your DNA. It's actually just did a saw a fascinating study where during deep sleep, shortly into that cycle, your spinal fluid comes up and actually washes your brain of toxins. And a lot of those toxins are now being attributed to Alzheimer's. And the buildup of them over time is considered to be part of that loss of cognitive ability and memory loss as we age. So deep sleep and the lack of it is, is being tied to mortality and and all of those metrics of aging. Almost every single one, there's a lack of deep sleep. And deep sleep is something you lose as you age. So a 20-year-old will get ideally about two hours of deep sleep pretty easily because they're 20. But by the time you're 80, it can go down less than 5% or disappear entirely. So it's something we have to keep an eye on. And it can be elusive because if you drink alcohol to fall asleep, and a lot of people do that, um, that can mess up your deep sleep. So even though you're asleep and you think, I had a drink before I go to bed, it can affect those numbers as well. But deep sleep likes to be cool. Your core body temperature is dropping during that time, and it, it wants to be cool. So by cooling, you can actually sort of hack your brain and tell your brain, even though you're sleeping, that you'd really like more deep sleep. It's kind of magic. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, which is, is temperature the only thing that can affect deep sleep? Or uh, what are the 
what are the other things that can help you make the you know your deep sleep longer? So I really feel like for sleep, the the anchoring part is our body clock, your circadian rhythm, or your chronotype. All of those are sort of different ways of saying the same thing. Your chronotype is actually uh, genetically driven. Your PER3 gene tells you what kind of morning person or night person you might be. We can take tests that will put us pretty close because it's not as easy for everyone to do that genetic test to prove what that is. And it evolve, it can evolve or shift slightly over time like all genetics. But that chronotype tells us what those windows are for when we should go to sleep. It also is kind of great information on your body in general because it can tell you when you should eat, when you should exercise, when you're going to be best to be most creative, when you're going to have your cognitive load, that deep thinking time. It can tell you when your brain's going to be most apt to be successful at that. Your body clock can tell you a whole lot of information about how to optimize yourself. So wait, just to jump in there. So a chronotype means... Uh, you know, effectively when your body is most awake and when you are at your cognitive peak and your physical peak. Is that right? Yeah. So we really like that 24-hour clock. There are times in the day when your body is looking for triggers. And in terms of sleep, there's actually a sleep switch. And you can flip that switch if you basically can trigger it during that right time. So uh, Dave and I both took the chronotype quiz, which we can link to for anyone listening uh, in the episode notes, but it's only four questions. I scored a 16, which I think is the max, meaning I'm like the ultimate morning person. This is true. <laughs> I am too. We're on the same tribe. So I'm a 12. Dave's a 12, which is a moderate morning person. Which doesn't right? make sense to me. But... I mean, being half into anything is probably never good, right? Well, it's not half in. Half in's the middle. It says there's a neutral. What is that, Tara? Can you under, can you break this down for us? Yeah, so all of that is just literally like if you were to pull up a calendar for the day, that's just about when your trigger times are. So Dave, actually, it's a it's a perk to not be super morning type. Britt and I have a lot less flexibility about when we want to go to sleep and when our sleep zones are triggered. So there's a little bit of extra science that's built in there. Those extremes on the morning person or night owl are going to be a little bit less flexible in their schedule. And we really want to go to sleep really early, like nine is our ideal. Nine to 10 is like, that's our super sweet spot. It just means, Dave, you can slide that a little bit later, slightly. I think this is why I've never been a party person, by the way. I can go back to college and tell all my friends that this is why I was really lame. <laughs> it's just my chronotype, guys. <laughs> It's not like it it's is. genetic. It truly I, is. And that's why I was so cool. Dave was like the president of his fraternity in college because <laughs> he has a he's a moderate. Yeah, that's that's why Todd's cool too because he's he slides all the way. Todd, what are you? I'm I'm really actually kind of in the middle. So I have pretty great flexibility. It's not so much as a night owl that I'm like up till 3 a.m. every night and I can't go to sleep in normal times, but I've got a, the biggest flexibility where I can really I can get up at six, but it's not my most creative time. And at the drop of a hat, I can stay up till 2 a.m. Doesn't seem to affect me that much. So I'm really lie mostly in the middle. Yeah, I tend to call the middle people lucky ducks because they really have ultimate flexibility. It's us people in the fringes that, you know, need to be more screwed down on our schedule. Aren't there some people who claim they can only get four hours of sleep and be top of their game because they did get two hours of deep sleep? 
So I am all about quality versus quantity. And we talk about something called sleep density. And, you know, I I give talks a lot. We have this conversation, honestly, with the military about guys that don't have a lot of time between when they drop and when they have to perform. And the biggest fallacy, I think, really, we have this pressure around eight hours being this magical number. Uh, Jerry Siegel out of uh, UCLA did a study with hunter-gatherers, and it turned out that they actually didn't sleep eight hours. It was 5.91, I believe, to about six, a little over six. So it was in that six window. And honestly, it was entrained to temperature, which is another thing that sort of suits our, our chili pad conversation. But again, keeping that temperature window and keeping it mapped to when you should sleep, they really got all the sleep they needed. They were really healthy. They didn't lose their deep sleep. And it turns out they weren't getting eight hours. So I think there's there is a magic and and that quality and looking for the right numbers instead of just having a pressure on I need to spend eight hours in bed because lots of us that's hard, especially parents to commuters to tr- when you're traveling. You can't always get eight hours, but you can make sure you get great sleep. Tara, when you told me this uh, originally, it 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 really impacted me because I had felt shame for so many years uh, because I, since starting to track my sleep, had never been able to get it to be more than six hours on average. Didn't matter what I've what I've done. I mean, you can go back and look across five years of data now, and I, I barely ever variant from this, um, no matter what. And to hear that, you know, I think a lot of people out there probably feel shame because they uh, can't get more than eight, no matter what they do. And, um, you know, I just like So it's to, possible, everybody. I'm, I'm a hunter-gatherer. But track your yeah. deep sleep. That's the thing that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big part of our mission this year is that hope, Dave, is really sharing the idea of there are tips that'll help you sleep, you know, anchor your sleep to chronotype, find your sleep recipe, because there are lots of people Uh, that aren't getting sleep that goes through the whole night and whether they go to their doctor or other sources and it says, well, it's just something you have to live with. It really isn't. Sleep can be fixable and that's really important. Studies have shown that we damn ourselves. I think we do it whenever we feel like we're not good at something, but we're not good at sleep. We put it off and we don't give it the time it deserves. So the, the hope of having a sleep recipe, having a reason to sleep, give it the time that it deserves Whatever you can will help you out in the end. Now, you keep saying the word recipe. Does that mean there are more ingredients that you can put in? Yes. I love that question. So I just had a book that came out, uh, Reprogram Your Sleep, and it's all about finding your sleep recipe. It goes back to that point when I was at rock bottom, and although we had the chili pad, I wasn't using it in a way that was effective for me. So I do like to climb into a warm bed. But when I did that, I would get horrible deep sleep because I thought this helped me fall asleep. But if I kept it on warm all night, I wouldn't get any deep sleep. And when you combine that with the depression, I wasn't it wasn't doing anything to help me sleep. It wasn't until I broke down what were the right ingredients to bake that right sleep for me. And then I started putting as you said, how do I reduce anxiety? How do I reduce stress? How do I make sure that when I go to sleep, I have all of those put together? And there's so many ingredients for sleep online that it can be confusing on how to bake that bread. If you put it all on a big table, all those ingredients, and said someone said, well, 
make me bread out of this. You'd really struggle to do that. Certainly if you're in a position where you're tired and worn down, depressed and not sleeping well, making decisions on what those ingredients are would be really tough. But if you have a recipe and you have your reason of why you're going to do it, you can put those ingredients together and have a confidence. I know how to do this. I can I can bake this bread. So what are examples of the ingredients of the recipe? Yeah, so it is really personal. I always start with the chronotype because that gives us the windows, as we discussed earlier, when to when to go to sleep. You know, some of them are exercise in the morning. If you're a night person, you have a little bit more flexibility and being able to work out after work, for example. But us morning people really need to keep it in the morning. We mentioned diet and, and exercise already. Caffeine is another one of especially morning people. There are some people that, like Todd, can have a pot of black coffee. It used to make me nuts in college and then go right to sleep. This is a genetic thing I learned. That's Brit. I did my 23 and me. I don't know how this is possible. And I didn't even know this was a genetic factor, but I have a high caffeine metabolism. So... Yeah. Give me espresso all day. As I sit here with like seven cups of coffee in front of me. Well, it's the morning and you have a moderate chronotype. Yeah. Yeah. But I I do, you know, when I give talks, that's one of the first people. I almost every single talk have someone that comes up and says, I read all those tips, but caffeine doesn't do anything for me. So I I don't think any of the tips are going to work. So it's really important to know that, you know, the recipes that bake your bread are not going to be the same as anyone else's. Alcohol is another one of those things, and everybody likes to go party on a Friday night, I think, but it isn't really great for sleep. And it's the most used sleep aid out there. The percentage of the population that uses alcohol to fall asleep is huge, 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 huge. Unfortunately, it actually destroys your deep sleep. So although it may help you in falling asleep, the quality of sleep, again, is destroyed by that alcohol. Is that like you shouldn't have alcohol two hours before sleep or the whole day? It's usually about three hours. So, like, you really want to do a last call for alcohol three hours before you go to sleep. Wow, so which probably for us, that's most people are having it at dinner the at The glass of wine and, before yeah, bed. Yeah, so if you're yeah. having it at, yeah, at dinner, it's too late. Uh, depending on when you eat dinner, can be a bit of a a problem. So part of it is like once you know what your recipe is, you can decide to not do that. But then if you know what it is, maybe you can make a choice of 95% of the time I follow my recipe, but then you make exceptions and you have fun when you want to have fun. But the information is powerful. Tara, can you also talk about light? So like sun, also like tech devices, you know, should we sleep in a completely dark room EMF. or can we have a nightlight on? <laughs> we have little kids, so. Yeah, so that sleep, all of those um, sort of sleep space kind of questions are really important. They they're, are different for different people, um, but we, we as a culture don't spend enough time outside. So we, we really do need to get sunshine and we really need to try to get that early in the day. It's really great at triggering the, the sleep drive and turning off your sleep switch and sort of starting your, your day. But then the, the other side of that light is trying to limit those blue light devices, your phone, your computer before bed. Some people are more sensitive to others. Again, just like caffeine, it may be something that you can do to the last minute and it doesn't affect you. But it's always worth testing. You know, in this digital world, you'll hear the phrase of A-B testing on websites or things like that. We need to move to a culture where we're A-B testing our health when we understand. It goes back to that recipe like, okay, that's part of my recipe. I have to 
to do it or I don't. But we need to know that information about ourselves and be testing that. So being able to make it dark, I love a dark room. I really don't want to have other light pollution at all. It doesn't matter as much to Todd. He's got all those, those like caffeine things and light doesn't bother him as much. Um, but it does for me. And so that's, that is a big part of my recipe. So it is important to kind of experiment and see if that's maybe something that's keeping you awake. A lot of America has those TVs in our room and it's really easy to keep them on until you fall asleep or even leave them on while you fall asleep. Now, what about weighted blankets? You know, we keep hearing about this as well, that the weight of the blanket on top of you has an effect. Yes. So I'm a big advocate of weighted blankets. Uh, It usually gives you a nice burst of serotonin. Obviously, it depends on, you know, your level of anxiety and and what that does for you. But for me, it's a big part of helping me sleep. What I didn't like about them is that they can get hot when they're sleeping underneath them. And so we actually just came out with a chilly weighted blanket. So you can get all the benefits of a weighted blanket, but it's temperature controlled. And when you do that with the chili pad, you get yourself a nice temperature sandwich, which feels pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not even think about temperature that. Temperature sandwich. So to summarize all of what we've learned today it is we need to sleep in cooler beds, most of us, find our recipe, meaning all the variables from light to exercise to when we're, what we're eating, alcohol, you're doing caffeine, bed. like cutting Are you stuff. meditating? Yeah, cutting stuff off before bed, giving yourself an hour, tracking your sleep so you can understand what your recipe is. Now I want to have a little bit of fun as we wrap up. So we have obviously two married couples here. I want to play a little round of what I like to call the sleepy wed game, if that's okay with you guys. Absolutely. We're always up for games. Okay, so I'm going to ask some questions, and you guys can both respond, and then we'll both respond. All right. The first question, who tosses and turns more? That'd be me. <laughs> True, Tara? On our side. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think notice because I don't wake up and turn much. really. Yeah, I don't think it's really a – I think we're kind of neutral on that one. Okay. Todd and Tara, who is more likely to get up and pee in the middle of the night? I would generally say that's me unless Todd has just come back from China and his body hasn't flipped and it thinks it's the middle of the day. So I usually would win that one, but there's definitely a carve out for when he comes back from China. <laughs> it's definitely me. Do you pee in the middle of the night? Yeah. I never notice. Well, you wouldn't know because you're <laughs> asleep the whole night. Because I, I don't yeah. move. I'm, um, okay, who snores? Yeah, unfortunately, I think I'd have to own that one as well. That's that's me. And, it, and it's worse when I drink alcohol, so... Those, those things are, for me, are, are, are terribly tied. Are you a light snorer or a heavy snorer? We have a separate room for product uh, chili testing that we do. And so that's now been like, ooh, I think it would be a really good night for you to do some product testing. Oh, Todd gets <laughs> kicked to the, the product room. Let's, 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 let's hook <laughs> it up exactly right. and you can sleep there tonight. I love Lucky it. You. I love it. I love it. Dave? We don't have that problem anymore. I know. We fixed that problem. Mm-hmm. I don't snore, right? Mm, no. Yeah. I don't think so. Once a year. Who lets the pets in the bed? All right. So in full confession, I have a farm girl heart. And so I have I, I have very little willpower in preventing pets 
in general. So the, if t- especially because Todd used to travel so much, so all the animals and even s- occasionally stray children would all end up in our beds while he was gone. So poor Todd, when he comes back, usually everyone's settled in and they've got their spots on the bed. And then he comes in and he's got to kick the animals out to be able to get in. I mean, doesn't this destroy your deep sleep? They don't get to sleep in the bed when I'm there. Okay. <laughs> so it doesn't destroy my deep sleep at all. Okay. I, have, I have no problem with that. Honestly, for me, I think there's like an anxiety thing of I feel more peaceful. So it actually doesn't mess my deep sleep up, but it can for a lot of people. Yeah, I feel the same way. We used to let our dog sleep in our bed and I I loved it for the same reason, but we had to change that. uh, Well, he also sprawls like this dog. I'm talking like on his back, legs out, like just takes up the whole bed (laughs) and he's like 45 pounds or so. But the main reason we kicked him out was because we live in California and there are ticks and stuff at different times of the year. And we found one on our bed a couple of times. We were like, and we're done. Like no Lyme disease for us. So we had to retrain him. Yeah, he he has his own bed now. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, last question. I think this is an interesting one. What is your couple's sleep position? And also, what's your sleep position in general? Because I recently saw a diagram of like 20 different possible sleep positions that people have. And you typically have like a primary sleep position. What? I haven't seen this. Yeah, I'll show you. We'll, we'll link to it in the podcast notes too. But <laughs> I'm a number four, which means I roll on my my left side in particular. My hands are like burrowed under my my neck and my legs are like in the fetal position. Like I'm a ball, basically. You're in the womb. Yeah. But some people are, like, sprawled out on their backs, their bellies. Like, I don't know. And so I'll just kickstart. I'll I'll segue into our sleep position is that Dave will spoon me (laughs) while I'm, like, pure fetal position. (laughs) But only for probably, like, 30 minutes. Well, it depends on whether we get too hot. It's an interesting thing. We still haven't totally nailed how to stay not too hot all night. I usually wake up on my back with my arms behind my head, though. So I don't know what happens in between. That's yeah, awesome. I think I think our our couple's position would stem from a, a temperature thing as well. So we t- tend to honestly put our our butts together. I think if we were gonna uh, fall asleep, because when we we cuddle for too long, uh, there is a, a a sort of time limit of like, okay, now now you're getting too hot. <laughs> so I'm so trying I can't sleep this. with you. Yeah, what can we call this? I feel like we need a name for it, like the booty sleep, the the yeah, the butt to butt. Yeah, just put the butt to butts. That way you can still touch, but you're not really transferring much heat. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'll put like my so, foot on Dave and I'll be like, I love you, honey. <laughs> probably does come down to heat, you know. Totally is heat. Literally the minute Dave starts sweating on me, I'm like, uh-uh, you're rolling over down. We're <laughs> That's done. it. You're losing privileges yeah, I love starting you now. so much. I'll see you in the morning. What's funny is she actually overheats quite a bit too. She just doesn't like to mm-hmm. take credit for it. No, it's it. all about the one foot out of the comforter. Mm-hmm. It, it regulates. <laughs> Taryn Todd, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people go to find out more about your sleep research? Yeah, so uh, I have a blog on all of this, a lot of the sleep information we shared today, and that's on our website at chilitechnology.com. As I mentioned before, I have a book that came out, Reprogram Your Sleep. It's got a lot of information in there as well. And tag us, ask us. We've got pretty active on uh, social media. So if you have a question, reach out and ask us. We like to answer all of those. And where can we find you on social media? And also, where do we buy the Chili Pad? So you can find us on social media at, at Chili Sleep. And the best place for the Chili Pad is either on Amazon or on our website at chilitechnology.com. And look for Tara and her postings with her new book and uh, sleepgeek.me. 
Great. And when we say chili, it is spelled like the food, correct? Uh, C H I L I. Great. Chili. Uh, you can be chili cool or chili hot. Oh. I like that. And everyone at home, you can take the chronotype quiz to figure out your sleep schedule. Just go to Brit.co slash listen. We also want to hear from you. So tell us your sleep tips and tricks, and we will summarize all of those for everybody. Thank you guys so much. And here's to many nights of better sleep. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Brit & Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Send us your feedback and find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media at Brit and at Brit Co. A special shout out to my two co-hosts, Ange, who you can find on Instagram at Angelica Temple. And of course, my husband and partner in everything, Dave Morin. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Christine Swar and Ali Perry with additional production and sound design by Aaron Kaufman. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next time.